Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. In this episode, we mount our attack against Pleasant Hill, return to Angel Grove, try to choose another side, cast our vote, and more! Hello, nerds. Fellow nerds. Sup, Future nerds. You closet nerds who tell your friends and family that, like, oh, comic books are so lame, but then you, like, sleep on uh, a, a graded 9.2 copy of Action Comics number one that you somehow afford because your habit is just that strong. So. And welcome, uh, Nick. David, hello. Hello. It's, it's funny you mentioned nerds, because I, I was taking a phone call at work, and um, the guy just, uh, like, uh, he was a realtor or something like that, but his, in his, the email that I was helping him with, he had some kind of messages about football, and I must have, excuse me, I think he made some kind of comment about the Patriots, like, he asked, like, where I was from, and I was like, oh, Massachusetts, oh, the Patriots, great team, da da and then he started talking talk to me about like all this football stuff. Did you move your microphone like far away? No, it's right there. You sound a little weird now. Does this sound okay? Uh, check your input. You might be not be coming out of the right input. Maybe touching your microphone broke it. You don't hear that? No, you're definitely room micing right now. Not, I'm not micing. No, you're you're room micing it right now. Oh, uh, okay. Are we gonna cut this out? No, nope, no. Nope. This is all gonna stay in. That sounds like a horrible production quality. Yeah, it does. Trust me, I can I can listen to it. I don't get it. Uh, it doesn't give me the option. Maybe maybe you unplugged it when you picked it up to demonstrate oh. to me. Maybe check the back of the microphone itself. Oh, that's weird. It was on. Oh, oh. The, the light was on. There we go. Now you sound much better. So anyway, this old guy. So anyway, this old guy was talking to me about football, and I'm like, just like, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah, no, Pats, yeah, something, Tom Brady, yep, okay, all right, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, shit, I do not know how to have a football conversation. Now, granted, the guy seemed pretty pleased with the conversation overall, and apparently he was a former professional football player at the same time. Not like anyone super huge or anything, but the the... The reason I'm explaining this story is because I'm definitely a nerd. Well, yeah, nobody nobody was questioning that, Nick. Nobody. Just, uh, if anyone was concerned that I wasn't a nerd, nobody, no, nobody in the audience was like, "Oh, you know that David is a real dweeb," but you know that Nick, he seems pretty like pretty cool. Like he might hang out with the cool kids. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I don't might, like he giving might... the wrong impression, so. He no, might, be, be, might be able to do, like, kickflips on his skateboard and smoke clove cigarettes. I'm oh, assuming hey, hey, that, like... I do at least those two things. Your your level of cool is about, like, middle school cool? Is about yeah, as you can yeah. Get. So, I mean, sometimes, like, you just can't... Like, you get stuck in a certain place. Like, some people can't escape high school. I can't escape middle school. Oh, that's unfortunate. Middle you school know, was the worst time of my life. Was it really the worst time of your it life? It was pretty bad. Was it just, like, you were super emotional and, like, 
dark punk gothiness? No, I was bullied to a certain extent. Uh, had some like really kind of rough stuff happen. I, this is not the time nor the place to. No, this is definitely the time. Definitely. No, I really, I'm not going to talk about that on, on this section. I don't want to bring everybody down is the reason. Well, now I'm down knowing that I don't know what was going to bring me down. I want to uh, double down. Ooh, KFC double down? <laughs> oh, man, can we go to KFC right now? Uh, they're probably still open, and I, I'm i a nihilist, so I will always eat KFC. Uh, I thought that not was for Arby's. Yeah, Nihilist Arby's is still the greatest thing to happen Nihilist to mankind. KFC. Uh, someone sent me this link that it was some tangentially related to Nihilist Arby's, uh, where it was this guy who was supposed to be like a Nihilist eating this combo from Arby's. Mm-hmm. And it took him like they, they, like, they were having a race, and it took him like 15 minutes to finish everything. And I was like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. That took you 15 minutes to finish. <laughs> Like, give me give me ten, and I will be done in six. <laughs> give me ten minutes, but I'll be done sooner than that. Yeah, you know, I gotta give myself some breathing room. Because, uh, you know, when the shame eating starts, it's not pretty. It's just inhaled. Mm-hmm. Just inhale. Like today, but... today I had a, uh, I had a quesalupa. That sounds um, amazing. Describe. <laughs> so it's, it's Taco Bell's newest thing, where it's a chalupa, but instead of like the regular like shell that they have on the case of Lupa, it is it's a cheese filled shell, essentially. Okay. Uh it was edible. It was fine. It wasn't as good as I'd expected it to be. Hmm. You know. There's no Taco Bell conveniently like between me and like work. There's there isn't one up at the mall I used to work at, so it's not like I can grab comics and get a burrito or something which is probably a good thing because i used to eat taco bell there is something the about time. taco bell it's it's, it's, it's not it's not eating. it's yeah it's not good like let's 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 say that the, the thing about taco bell is not that it's like i want high quality food right now but it's nostalgia because i mean think about it. go I don't know about you. But, I mean, you grew up in Arizona, so I mean, like you—you you obviously had some great Mexican oh, like man. choices, all that. So you actually have an excuse. But for me, let's say that I didn't have some good choices, but like I felt—I mean, we went to Taco Bell a lot growing up. So for me, like this was my sort of Hispanic cuisine, um, you know, and and I and I enjoyed it. But obviously, as an adult now, I've had the opportunity to expand my palate. And try actual good food of that variety, but when you eat Taco Bell, it's like a comfort nostalgia. Oh yeah, no, no, no. There's all like there are people who are out there who uh, say you know like oh, I, just, I just can't eat junk food like it doesn't taste good you know like McDonald's and Burger King, and those people are liars because they just want to admit that part of themselves that's like oh this is terrible for me and it's just it's so right. I know. It's so right. Oh, yeah, they're always lying. Anytime that I have, like, Wendy's or McDonald's or Taco Bell for, like, that first 30 seconds that I'm consuming <laughs> it, and it only takes 30 seconds. Right. It is the most blissful moments of right. my life. And then you get, like, then you get to the last 30 seconds, and you begin to question every life choice you've ever made that, l- like... that led to this moment of sitting in your car, polishing off a Whopper and fries. Oh, man. 
like that parking lot eating. That's like the lot shamiest eating, of shame. It is, but there's something so magical about it. It's it's like you're a monk praying in solitude in a remote temple somewhere. You know, like it's, it's a just remote you, the food, and and just life. Yes. If all right, we take the words "remote temple" and put it in a parking Car lot of a strip side. mall. Parking lot of a strip mall. And Shaolin Monk with uh, fat ass with zero self-control and pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, speaking, yeah, of, exactly. speaking of shame eating, uh, wait, that's not the right one. Here we go. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Let's talk about some comics. Because that Someday transition, maybe that transition be makes sense. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like whatever, bro. You know, whatever. Uh, so comic books are a thing that we occasionally talk about on this show. Occasionally. Only sometimes. Uh, if you're out there have never read a comic book before in your life, how did you find this show? I'm very confused. Uh, you might need an adult to instruct you on uh, how to get back to where you meant to go. I've actually had friends be like, oh yeah, like I'm going to check out your show. And then they'll tell me, like, I listened for 10 minutes and they just... They care about comics so much, and they love them so much, and I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, yeah, that's why I haven't. That's why I don't go around telling people I know, like, hey, check out my podcast, because none of y'all fuckers read comics. I don't it's know why I dropped the <laughs> f bomb right there. <laughs> it's literally just like a, a click, like a conversation, like within a click, like an in almost not like an in joke, but like an in conversation mm -hmm. that. It really is two guys just, like... Like, we'd like to think there's some kind of presentation going on. No. There ain't no presentation. It mm -hmm. is literally just us shooting the shit and hoping that someone somewhere out there somewhere gives enough of a shit to listen to us blabber on. out there. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, what did you read? I've read... Oh, man, I was just about to bring up, like, hey, have you noticed I haven't heard that sound Oh, yet? no, I've heard it twice tonight. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. I, this is the first time I've noticed it. But I've been living with it for like 50 years. Anyway, I read Black Widow number one from Marvel Comics. Uh, what was that? Black, black what now? Black Widow. Mm, nope, try again. Uh, black, black, uh, Sidow? No. On Max, Max, Max von Sidow? Max Black, that would be amazing <laughs> if it black was just... Max von Sidow? If it was just, like, a comic, like, it was a Black Widow comic, but it was Max von Sydow just doing, like, all the things, like, seducing men, and then, like, kicking them, and, like, gratuitous ass shots of Max von Sydow. I need this now. Whatever you're going to talk about. I, I, I like that the three things you boil Black Widow down to were seducing men, kicking people, and ass shots. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I will was Black Widow number one by Save. Chris Samney and Mark Wade. Uh, also including Matt Wilson on colors, and I believe Joe Carrig Magna on letters. Boom! Um, that didn't prove me wrong yet. Continue. No, no, okay, so first off, you'd obviously have to look at the, the issue to know for sure. Um, so, Black Widow number one. What's what's it about, Nick? That's what you're asking. You're like, what's going on? What should I know about it? Legit, I have no idea. Okay. It was literally a first issue that had next to no plot. This was the plot. Black Widow, get the F out of there. 
It basically opens with Maria Hill. Mariah Hill? Maria Hill. Maria Hill. (laughs) Made me question so much in my life right there. It's tough. Where's Robin? Um, uh, Basically saying, get Black Widow at all costs. Don't let her escape. So she's basically running through what ends up being a shield helicarrier. Busts out the side. I'm talking like a floating shield helicarrier. She busts out the side, and the the story basically goes from there. It's one long, twenty-ish, if not exactly twenty-page uh, chase scene, and in a un, in lesser hands, that would have been like, I can't believe I just spent money on that. But in this case, it's like, damn, I'm glad I spent money on this. First off, I just want to make note that I say Chris Samney first. Usually, writers get the initial credit, um, but uh, Markway and Chris Samney are co-plotting this. Chris Sandy goes and draws it, and then basically Mark Wade goes over with a fine-tooth comb and just finesses the dialogue. Mm. But it seems like, given the fact that I imagine Mark Wade is like juggling a hundred different writing yeah, projects Mark right Wade, now, man, um, that guy's on fire. Chris Samney, like this is definitely him taking like the next step in his artistic, creative career, uh, and really just being as hands-on as possible. I mean, when you're the artist, like you're obviously doing a ton of heavy lifting. But in this case, like, he's as much invested in the story and basically letting Mark Wade take credit for the dialogue because, you know, dialogue can be tricky if you want it to be, like, you know, really get you. Uh-huh. So despite being an issue that's very light on plot, uh, I was engaged. And that's that's kind of cool because usually, especially when, like, you're buying, like, a bajillion comics and you're, like, they're four bucks a pop and, like, you just want to get as much bang for your buck as possible, you usually think in content, like, multiple scenes, you know, uh, uh, the dialogue, the the character's progression, all that. Like, you want to get a huge chunk in each issue. You don't get a lot of that. It's literally, like, A to B as quickly as possible. Hmm. So what I'm expecting Black Widow to ultimately become is sort of just, like, an artist appreciation book. Like, it's it's all... It's not all, but, like, it's basically Chris Samney flexing his art muscles and you just appreciating the crap out of, like, the way each panel is drawn, the way that the storytelling flows. Um, it's a fantastically beautifully drawn book. Characters are expressive, all of the above. Praise, 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 praise. Despite being light on plot, though, I'm very curious where this is going to go because it's literally Black Widow. I mean, Black Widow being on the run or just a character, kind of a fugitive type setup, isn't necessarily that most unique of a situation. But there was enough, the art was carrying the story well enough that like, you definitely felt engaged and you definitely want to understand, okay, what did I just spend 20 pages? Like, she's been on the run for 20 pages. What is going on? I at least got to check out issue number two. I expect future issues to slow down and kind of regain the plot momentum a bit. But mm. for what it's worth, Black Widow Num, Black Widow Num, Black Widow number one um, was a fantastic start by the creative team. Who, fun fact, were the entire creative team for this book had, were basically the team that did like the last two plus years of Daredevil. So. Something to keep in mind. Very cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, you know, an exciting first issue that's going to grab grab some attention. Uh, and, yeah, cool. it's, I mean, she's uh, popular right now. I mean, apparently not popular enough to Marvel to warrant getting her own movie, but whatever. Someday. Are you, are you trying to show me the art there? Ooh, yeah. it's her. Ah. It's, she's in there somewhere. Just the, 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 there oh, she look is. at her. There she is. She's so tiny. She's she's so tiny she's... against the backdrop of a giant shield helicarrier. Yeah, it's like the fifth one that's crashed in that issue. 
Yeah, I don't understand why they're hesitant. You think, okay, all you right. I think they would have a meeting and be like, all right, guys, we have spent. These are not cost effective. Like, probably a couple million dollar per helicarrier. Okay, like, think, think Civil War. Think about everything that led to Civil War. I mean, we had decades of Marvel stories, action adventures, explosions, buildings falling, world saving, and all that. Like, terrible, terrible stuff happening. Civil War One comes around, and a team of in-up superheroes accidentally cause um, an explosion that wipes out a school in, like, a few blocks of a town. Right. Everyone loses their shit. Registration gets passed. Like, I get, like, they could, they basically wrote on, like, the past, like, several decades of Marvel history to be like, this was the tipping point. Right. So why hasn't there been a civil war over freaking manufacturing shield helicarriers? They clearly are not cost-effective. They're clearly not secure if every other Marvel event they're falling out of the sky. Yeah, I really want to know who is funding shield at this point. I I mean... The taxpayer, I guess. (laughs) The global taxpayer. You know how immense tax would be for their helicarriers? Like, you would have... You'd get a paycheck, and there would be like $50 taken out Every every paycheck that just says helicarrier tax. <laughs> the helicarrier tax. Oh man, I could totally like that. I'm just wondering, like the you know the political candidates in the Marvel universe that like those who are pro helicarriers and those who are against helicarriers. That would that would be the the, the divisive issue in <laughs> the Marvel universe debates. Not guns. It's, Helicarriers. Helicarriers. It's just like, at what point do we get, alright, the last ten have been destroyed and crashed. You know what's a great idea? An eleventh one. (laughs) There's other ways to get around. I always think, like, this is like early Ultimate Universe, and it's fine when it's like in the burgeoning stages of a narrative universe, but when you've had a billion helicarriers crash over several decades... You feel like there's got to be a civil war coming. But I liked that, like, when the Ultimates came around, there was this illusion that, like, the events, like, the, the first six issues when, like, they did the Hulk attack in New York, mm-hmm. um, that it was, like, equated to, like, a obviously, like, not as many people died in the Hulk attack as, like, 9-11, but it was the idea that this was, like, a game-changing incident. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that feeling that, like, like, you know, okay, we've seen Hulk attacks before, but, like, you felt like there was a palpable change in the air, that it was changing things on a societal and a political and all that kind of stage um, that you don't get when you're reading, like, the umpteenth story set in the universe where, like, ba- like we're doing right now where we're shaking our heads being like, who would be paying for this? Because I bet you, like, literally after the first helicarry would have fallen, someone would have been like, we need to reevaluate these things. Right. Well, you could see, okay, hey, the first one didn't work. Here's a second one with improved defenses. You know, it's an upgrade. It's really a great idea. All right, cool. That one goes down. By the time you get to the third one, people are going to really be uneasy about it. I wonder, I wonder, this is what Google's for, how many helicarriers uh, has, how many times has the helicarrier crashed? There's got to be, like, a... Uh, database of that somewhere. I'm not finding it quickly, so I will try to find it maybe at another point in the show. And, but and also, think of a helicarrier. It's over... basically a giant boat, right? Mm-hmm. So even if it doesn't crash, think about when it's like tipping and slanting like a boat. But there's no like water or anything. I mean, besides the fact that you're falling like a bajillion feet to the ground. But just imagine that you're like at one end of the helicarrier, and all of a sudden it tips. And it's not like there's like 
hopefully you're the guy wearing the anti-gravity boots and you're able to stick to a wall. Otherwise, you're basically, whoop, you tipped and you're in your dorm and you basically go flying backward and smacking into a wall. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky. Otherwise, you're going shooting down a hallway. Uh, over 20 helicarriers have been built over the decades and at least two have been in simultaneous service in the last decade on several occasions. So, yeah, just looking at a list of of helicarriers, it kind of goes down just different ways they've been destroyed. Uh, yeah, let me see. I'm just going to try to find the word crashed. Let's see. The helicarrier was severely damaged and crashed by the Red Hulk and subsequently commandeered. Uh, Green Goblin crashes into the... Hel- the helicarrier is destroyed by Green Goblin and crashes into the harbor. The helicarrier crashes into the ground. Uh, and, and it carnage successfully infects the helicarrier with his spawn, and it causes it to crash land. Uh, oh, these are from video games. But still, still, that's... Even in video games, they are constantly getting destroyed and crashed. Now, let's see. Behemoth. Uh, destroyed by shield and attempt to neutralize an attack by Amadeus Cho in Incredible Hercules 115. Destroyed oh, in action. Oh, like back at the beginning of the run. Yeah. Uh, anyway... A lot have been destroyed, and it's a terrible idea, and yet we keep making them. They should just do the Howl Moving Castle thing, and just like make a mountain that has legs and moves around, because that's going to be a lot harder to crash into a building. Yeah, but obviously there's stuff that gets in the way, you know, like cities and stuff. But what they could do is have a fail-safe. I feel like this idea is going to get stolen now that I'm saying it out loud, but I need to say it. Basically, they've they've probably mastered Pym Cargles at this point. I know, like, Hank Pym has created, like, micro-labs and stuff. Basically, have a fail-safe on a shield helicarrier, so in the event that it cra- it's going to crash, you're able to shrink it down to a tiny size, so even if it does crash, I mean, it's going to kill everyone on board, but at right. least it's going to be a negligible crash but wouldn't it... for the everyone else. Wait, no, doesn't don't the things keep their density? Yeah, they do that, but it's only if the plot dictates it. Okay, that's true, because I was just going to say that would still hit, and it would just be a very, like, the damage would still be gigantic, because it would be a tiny object hitting with the force of an entire helicarrier. It would almost be like a bullet that would go to the center of the Earth at the speed, the velocity is probably going, but because it's such a much more narrow point, smaller point, it would be like, like a BB gun through the Earth. Well, but, and then, of course, for plot purposes, you would have it work, like, once, maybe twice, and then the third time, it's going to be deactivated as it's crashing, or something's going to rupture it, and the pin particles aren't going to work. Yeah, someone's going to f that up. Anyway, other comics that we uh, read this week. I actually ended up reading a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'll talk about the discipline a little bit later, but I'm going to talk right now about Power Rangers number one. You've been uh, waiting for this. I've been waiting for so long. Ever like since a month. issue zero, it was like almost a month and a half uh so this issue introduces us to bulk and skull so this this it was really weird that issue was called issue zero because this issue isn't like a fresh start it is picking up right where that issue left off uh we have bulk and skull at the beginning and they're kind of they're supposed to be like the average man of angel grove in this world where they're the ones who were like, wait a minute, wasn't the Green Ranger fighting against them originally? Now he's helping them out? Uh, and other such questions. Oh yeah, like, who are the Power Rangers and stuff like that? Uh, anyway, 
you have Tommy still being plagued by like the ghost of Rita and uh and and his confidence constantly being shaken by his the last fight with the giant monster where the dragon zord wasn't doing exactly what he wanted to do you have Kimberly trying to ask him out and he's oblivious to the entire thing uh and you have the other rangers doing some other things and this issue overall was good uh, it's still keeping on the the the, the train that's going to fun town uh and it, i guess the way that they're describing this from like the press release for boom is that this is uh green ranger year one so they're really focusing in on tommy mm-hmm. which is fine there's a lot of really interesting stuff to do with tommy in this point in the story where he's just coming off being a bad guy he was mind controlled mind control release the mind control squid uh, I kind of find that clip. That was one of the greatest lines. From, Is that? From Teen... Brothers? No, it's from Teen Titans. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Just, it just sounds like something that the monarch would say. It does sound... Well, yeah. Because it's so freaking absurd. Uh, anyway. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to do with, with Tommy at this point. And they do give some, some nice moments to like the other rangers to kind of give them a little more personality uh and kind of establish their feelings on the whole tommy joining the team you you know you have zach talking to jason uh and bring up the point that they they weren't asked if tommy could join the team zordon was just like hey uh tommy's a power ranger now deal with it i mean not in that in those terms but you know, you have Zach not being exactly cool with that idea, and Jason admitting that, yeah, it's a little weird, but I trust Zordon as our great, mysterious, floating head of a leader. Uh, and there's just like kind of cool moments like that that the original Power Rangers series didn't really go into. Uh, and, you know, because it was a kid's show, and that's fine, it's to be expected. I don't have these over the high expectations of a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cool now that they realize, hey, our audience is not. A bunch of eight to ten year olds it is people who are in their mid to late 20s or 30s uh depending and they're gonna want some like serious moments of characterization and they're they're going ahead and giving us those and that's really cool i wasn't a big fan of the way that bulk and skull are uh portrayed in the main story i think in the backup they're fine they're great they're exactly as you expect them to be and maybe a backup story is the best place for those characters because uh, in the main story they are guys who are making youtube videos and podcasts about the power rangers but the thing is in the show they were always like bullies and a little kind of mean-spirited and in this, they're very bland. They're just, you know, asking people, what do you think about the Power Rangers? And we have theories about who the Power Rangers are. Where, like, in the show, they wanted to find out who the Power Rangers are because they think they're nerds and they want to prove that they're nerds. And they always wanted to get the glory for themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, they still could have kept this idea of YouTube stars or, you know, people who are doing multimedia about the power rangers and kept that up because they could have been like uh you know when the cameras are off admit to you know we're chasing them around because we want to be famous because of the power rangers like Mm -hmm. have their motives be totally you know not 
like their, their motives now are just like we want to report on the Power Rangers, and they totally could have kept that in line of, uh, you know, their their mean spirited selfishness. And I use the word totally a lot in the last couple of sentences. You totally did. I totally did. Uh, and also, they they did this thing that I didn't love, where the first probably third of the story, and then it comes back, uh, is like them you know, filming the, uh, it's Bulk and Skull filming their little show. And so everything is presented as like, they're, they're very rigid square panels and they've got these lines over it. Like you're watching like a VHS tape, even though we're still in a world uh, that of 2016 and we see Skull is carrying this very tiny digital camera. They're still showing. Lines that people haven't seen since recording VHS tapes. Right, and like they have the word, you know, recording in the corner, which, yeah, you can do that. That's totally fine, but you don't need to put like this filter over it to show us that like it's filming. I don't know. It was, it was just weird and it didn't totally work for me. But aside from that, uh, I still thought good issue overall. Mm -hmm. And there's probably no Megazord attacks in this world, <laughs> they don't get destroyed very often. They don't, well, they get, I mean, when they get destroyed, they get new Megazords, because, like, hey, there's other giant robots sleeping on the planet that nobody knew about. Hey, Here they, you go. They when they need to come up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, this is one of those weeks where we ended up not reading uh, any of the same stuff. Well, I read some Naruto like you did, but That's I'm in true. the beginning and you're at the end. That's true. We, we can maybe talk about that a little bit later. The essence of Naruto. Uh, I don't know why I whispered that. Yeah, um, I, I finished chapter 700 today, or not today, earlier this week of, of Naruto, which means I'm finally, finally free. After uh, like, what, 15, 16 years? This, it was going on for 15 years. I probably started reading 13 years ago. Uh, so that's a lot. Now, I, I just want to do some math here. So each chapter is 16 pages times 700. Uh, all right. 11,200 pages was the total that's a lot. of Naruto. Ah, uh, but maybe more on that later. Nick, what else? What else did you read? Okay. So I also read, uh, Avengers Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha One. I actually haven't read. There was like a prelude issue. There was a yeah, the Avengers standoff thing, right? Or was yeah, that, well, this, this or, whole thing is called stand. Right, right, right. So it's Avengers standoff Assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha Number One. Oh God! Mar <laughs> Thanks, Marvel. Marvel, stop um, naming your events. <laughs> um. So well, this doesn't directly lead into. Civil War number two. It obviously is going to set some stuff up, like spoilers for those that didn't see the news reports. You know, Steve Rogers is going to be young again, so he'll be young for Civil War two. Oh, uh, by the way, old man Steve Rogers shows up in Old Man Logan. Oh, does he? Mm -hmm. In I think in his, in his Captain America uniform. But anyway, like in Captain America, like the classic Captain America. Uh, it's like movie Captain America uniform. Like the beginning of Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah, that's one he's been wearing since he came back old. Oh, I didn't know that. Anyway. Yeah, so, good job, good job. Hey, I don't um, give a crap. <laughs> um, so, the, the the short skinny on uh, uh, the whole Pleasant Hill situation is that there was a storyline that started in the Sam Wilson Captain America book that S.H.I.E.L.D. 
um, was using fragments of a cosmic cube, or the Tesseract, as you know it from the Avengers movies, but it works a bit differently in the comics, um, that they're taking these fragments and they're trying to alter reality for the betterment of society. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, a Edward Snowden-esque hacker type um, leaked that to the press, so she was like, we're going to set it down, don't worry about it. But they didn't. <sighs> they never do. They never do. Um, and then, uh, so, but then, uh, while they were, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, now we have to, like, really be quiet about these Cosmic Cube fragments. Apparently the fragments turned into a little girl. They they formed into a little girl who has cosmic QB powers, uh, and Maria Hill basically convinces her to use it to create a prison for supervillains. Of course. But this prison is a town called, you guessed it, Pleasant Hill. So all the residents of the town, besides X number of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that are there just to keep cover, uh -huh. um, are all transformed supervillains. Um Coincidentally, a lot of them associated with the original Thunderbolts concept. How, um, how strange. <laughs> like, it's not leading into a Thunderbolts series. Um, and so, so basically, all the villains are, you know, it's like they, there's Crusher Creel, the absorbing man, you know. But obviously, he's usually like a big, bald guy in prison jump shoot. But in this case, he's just sort of like an overweight, balding um, um, a diner owner. Um, so, like, they don't even look like they're supposed to. They look like any old schmuck. Uh, from a, like a small town America, um, but they all think that they're just living this fantasy world. So on one hand, like they get to live openly and free, but they are in fact in prison. So let your more questions of morality out. Um, so that was explored in the prelude issue that I, I didn't read, like formally read. Um, in this issue, the whole assault basically happens where, and then maybe something happened in the prelude that I, that, that kind of triggers this. So, uh, Sam Wilson finds out that the uh, Edward Snowden hacker that leaked it originally is actually Rick Jones, who originated in the Incredible Hulk comics. Uh, Rick also, Jones! Also responsible for helping form the Avengers originally. So he basically has become a, a hacker. Um, and so he tells Sam about Pleasant Hill at the same time that Steve Rogers finds out from Bucky, who's returned from space, who's been investigating Pleasant Hill about Pleasant Hill. So Steve Rogers confronts Maria Hill. Maria Hill takes him to see it. Uh, I guess Steve's current position right now within S.H.I.E.L.D. is the citizen liaison or civilian liaison for the public. Um, so he's not like with S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's partnered with S.H.I.E.L.D. Anyway, he's pissed. Um, so she shows him around. He's not like liking any of this. But of course, no one really has time to, to, to like uh, kind of digest it because boom, the villains wake up and attack. And that's where it all starts. So as an issue, uh, I've been enjoying Nick Spencer's run on Sam Wilson, as well as Astonishing Ant-Man. He's a writer, like, he's been around for a while. Like, he's got that Morning Glories book from Image and all this other stuff. But his most recent Marvel output from, like, Superior Foes of Spider-Man to, like, Astonishing Ant-Man to Sam Wilson, Captain America, and all that, like, mm -hmm. he's really found a voice where he's not afraid to add a certain political bent hmm. to it. But he does in a way that, you know, some people might say, well, he sounds like a jackass. But I, and it's not so much that I necessarily agree with everything he says, but there's a certain cheeky cleverness to it. It's sort of like the goofiness that he takes from Ant-Man and he tones down the goofiness aspect. But he plays the fact that whatever you might believe politically, that like these are just kind of fun, funky comic books, like ridiculous stuff is happening. 
Um, and th the same goes for Assault on Pleasant Hill. I find it to be, uh, I, I thought it was fairly well written. Uh, and it's definitely got me invested enough that I'm going to check out some of the, I, I read most of the tie-in books anyway, so I'll probably have more to report in the next month or so. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun stuff. Cool. Yeah, this is another uh, event that I'm not going to lie to myself about and say I'm going to read. Like the last couple of events, like I'll you know, I'll read Axis for the show. I'll read uh, what was the last event that just happened? I forgot. <laughs> what was it? No, they, come on. They just had oh Re Secret Wars. Secret Wars, yeah. Uh, I don't even think. I mean, I think I read the first issue of Secret Wars and was like, that's nice. Well, now you also have access to Marvel Unlimited. That's so true. But you have the ability to when this stuff all gets released, you can check it all out. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to lie to the good people here, Nick. I just can't do it anymore. I know you're still not going to do it. We've I'm put, just them, we have put them through sort of... so much. I can't keep doing this to them all. Look at the, just look at their faces. They're innocent, beautiful faces. Yeah, they're just like, they never read Constantine. Oh, man. Why do you got to bring it up? Why do you got to bring that up? Huh? Which part? The huh? fact that we never read Constantine or the fact that I'm calling them Constantine? Why you got to bring anything up at all? Huh? Oh, all right. Well, David, then tell me about uh, the discipline. The uh, discipline. So I actually had a really, despite the fact that I read a bunch of stuff uh, this week, I had a really light, uh, I don't want to say the word load, but that's where I'm going. Uh, I had a really light subscription folder, so I only had like three books in there, and I was looking at the shelves, and I saw the discipline. Number one, new image book. I'm like, I like image books. I like giving new number ones a try. Let me grab The Discipline. So this is from uh, Peter Milligan, Leandro Fernandez, Chris Peter, and Simon Boland, according to the cover. Mm -hmm. And it uh, is a lot of stuff. Uh, for me to tell you exactly what it's about, I'm not sure. There's like a woman who's 23 and who's married and who may or may not have a job and is really emotionally and sexually neglected. So she starts seeing this guy, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there's this weird thing about, like, are they going to have sex? And, like, the sex seems really important uh, because he's part of some weird... He's part of some weird alien or mythical beast group and he might be one of them and sex is apparently really important because they have like enemies and all right that my completely all over the place really fits in with this book so <laughs> there's supposed to be an erotic thriller i don't know so that's probably why sex is important yeah but it's like weird i know i'll go a little more in depth here so the main character is this uh, 23-year-old woman. They mention her name at this page. I'm going to flip to uh, Melissa. Melissa Peak is her name. Melissa Peak. Eh? Melissa Peak. Uh, clever, but sexually and emotionally unfulfilled, just as the council likes them. Uh, so yeah, she's this woman who, uh, as, as I had mentioned, has this not great relationship with, I believe it's her husband, uh, where they barely ever see each other, barely ever communicate, never have sex. Uh, and then she meets this guy, or this guy like is kind of stalking her. And they start seeing each other, and he starts being really super weird, but she still keeps seeing him. And uh, 
And meanwhile, she's having, like, these weird dreams that she's having sex with, like, monsters. Uh, and, like, the guy, the guy that she's, like, dating, like, takes her to a slaughterhouse. That's on, like, where I'd like to do it someday. And it's, like, it's really, like, graphically bloody. And then she's like, yeah, no, this is totally cool. Let's keep seeing each other. Um, and, uh, and so she, so, like, the council, whoever they are, uh, like, it has to be now, Orlando. We're rushing it. Two more days is, is what's prescribed by ritual. Then break with ritual. Our ancient enemy grows stronger. Without us, their number will soon be uncontrollable. You see that, don't you, Orlando? And for some reason, he has to have sex with her so the enemy can be combated. Uh, he gets her to come to this house that he broke into and put up this really weird art thing in. And as he's about to have sex with her... A creature crashes through the door, the same creature she kept dreaming herself having sex with. And uh, then Orlando fights it, and yeah, things kind of just drop off. Uh, this book never gives itself any room to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have a million things we want to establish right off the bat, and so we're going to go ahead and not have any pi like panels without dialogue. We're not really going to let anything reflect we're going to be very on the nose with all the characterization if we want you to know something about a character or infer something about a character we're just going to go ahead and tell you so that way like you know that about them uh it's not really a great issue it's not a great first issue i try to be a little bit softer on those um but this this one is just it's like they're trying to check off a list of stuff they want to establish and really could have done it a lot better. It's all over the place. The characters don't really make any sense to me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I, I find the idea of, of this married woman who is emotionally and sexually unfulfilled, like, interesting. Because that's not a trope we see a lot. I've, I mean... And in more Not like, like the, I, the primary focus, right? It's more and more like artsy stuff. Yeah, that's like an idea. But in more like mainstream stuff, it's not really something that comes up that often. Uh, and so that's like that's an interesting character type. Uh, but really, it's just I don't know. I'm probably not going to be checking out the next issue. I don't really have a strong desire to. Uh, mm -hmm. The art is it's okay. Um, oh, like the way that they try to establish, uh, her, or, the, you know, they try to give us her inner monologue is that she talks to her dog while running through a very crowded park, like talk to her dog about very intimate stuff while she's running through a crowded park. Uh, if, if you go for a run, it's not very easy to just be, you know, I'm just going to say things in a very coherent way. That's not gonna like that's what you're gonna sound like if you're actually running and jogging, uh, and I don't know if I would say the things she's saying around other people. Obviously, my thoughts are not not great on this book. Um, it's just it wasn't for me. The art, the cover. I don't know who did the cover. I actually really like, uh, and that was part of the reason I thought the cover was really interesting. Um, Let's see. Was it also by Leandro? No, Fernandez? it is by by Fernandez. It looks very different than like the interior work, which is odd. Maybe I just don't like his monsters. 
the the facial expressions actually in it were uh, were really good, uh, which is actually nice because I feel like I've been noticing a lot of comics have not had good facial expressions lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice to have one that actually that does. That be very bland, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but all in all, discipline, not really for me. Uh, if it is, if, it, if you think I missed something out there, though, or if you think, uh, if you have any opinions on any of the books we talked about, uh, or think we missed any books this week, go Keep ahead. Keep it to yourself. No, just kidding. Let us know. Go ahead and shoot us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Calm. How's our uh, our inbox looking, David? Oh, that's uh, you know that's a that's a question that I will be able to answer for you, and uh, in a moment as things load up and I continue to vamp. Do you uh, check our inbox on a regular basis? I check it every couple of days or so because I don't really expect there to be much in there, <laughs> and we would love for there to be more in there. So please, please. Yeah, we got um, we got a couple emails when we first started this. It was very exciting. I thought that maybe that trend would continue, but uh, the best day of our life. Not not so. So you listening, you right now, right into us. Uh, so Nick, Please. how is it now being a uh, almost like I think you're almost fifty. Uh, almost 50-year-old going back and reading a series that was originally written for, like, 13-year-olds. And, and, of course, I'm talking about Naruto. It's, um... Because he's, what, 12 at the beginning of the series? Yeah, something like that. He's pretty young. Um, it's weird, because I... Not to be that guy, and I certainly don't mean it in a snobbish way, but, I mean, I got into Naruto... I'm pretty sure, and, you know, I'm not to say I'm proud of it, but I was reading the, uh... The scanlations, as they call them, when I was like 12, 13 years old. Basically the same age as Naruto, I want to say. Um, I don't think the first volume had come out of the United States yet. It took them a long time. It, it, took, it used to take Shonen Jump forever to get translated over here. So, so I remember reading it online, and I got like up into the like third test of the, the tune-in exam where I think they just had the kids facing off against each other. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, I just dropped the ball after that and have not gone back since. I never watched the anime or anything like that, but, I mean, I enjoyed it when I was reading it. Um, and I just thought, like, it just seems like one of those big, incomplete white whales that I need to <laughs> tackle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, there's definitely a nostalgia factor there. Oh, but, for sure. But, I mean, like, I, I certainly don't feel... because I, I guess, in a sense, because I didn't spend... I didn't spend the last 16 years reading it. it. It went from like being something that I was focused on to like having zero focus in my life at all. So I'm not like being like, ah, oh, remember the days back when life was simple and they were just training with Kakashi. It's just like, oh, okay, now I get to know what happens next. And I more or less know how the story shakes out. But it's kind of, I haven't had like a manga that like I've really enjoyed that I can just dig deep into. So that part's been fun. Yeah, I really um, want to read One Punch Man. I think we've mentioned it on the show. That's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Uh, I tried getting into One Piece, but man, that never ends, apparently. That, that ship didn't sail. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, One Piece, I have like the first volumes of it that I got, you know, and... It's go pirates have never been really my thing. I guess in that pirates versus ninja debate, I've always sided with ninjas. Nerd. Shut up. Man, remember when that was a thing? 
that was a huge thing when we were that kids. That was oh, it was ridiculous. You know, but no, Naruto. It's it's good. Like it's like as much as it's basically young adult reading, more or less. It's mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 more like in the same vein as like Harry Potter. You've, it's all about friendship and making your own family and being the best that you can be and rising to the occasion and all that. And in which case, like it's not like it's the most deeply complex philosophical quandary to read through but it's freaking fun ninja fights and everyone like they're, they're all like the least ninja-y looking people that you can get but they're they look cool as shit so. yeah that, that's one of the cool things and i was reading some uh just some you know general thoughts and uh and and criticism not criticism but um i guess like reviews uh like the wikipedia section and they one one thing one guy pointed out is that you have people who are like super goofy and like kind of doofusy looking in one panel will be doing something really cool and being really awesome the next like the guy who eats a lot uh he actually gets really cool i can't remember i can't remember a lot of their names there's the oh from the the village of the hidden sand no 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 he's uh not the puppet guy no he's from the leaf village he's like the fat kid Oh, oh, yeah. I think I just got introduced to him. I, I don't remember his name. Was yeah. is he on the same team as Hanada? Uh, I think so. No, no. He's with um, Shikamaru, the shadow guy. Oh, oh. I, I don't think I've actually been introduced to them yet. Dude, Shikamaru is the coolest. Uh, and it doesn't like in the. I haven't. That, that's kind of where I left off. The last thing I remembered was the fight where. Shikamaru does the shadow thing to control I think one of the girl from the sand village and like it's basically like a tie or something they like knock each other out um no he's like he becomes um like the head of their class he's like hyper intelligent hmm. I don't know I guess I'll have to get there I can't remember they mentioned at one point like his IQ is just insane hmm. yeah he's, he's a pretty cool guy um what was I else going to say about uh, about Naruto? No, it's it's a fun time. Uh, it's it's something that like I'm I guess I'm glad I finished. It gets towards the end, uh, like like I kind of said to you, the action gets a lot less like about their physical prowess and a little bit more about. And here's um here's how I'm using my chakra to do this magical attack, and you're going to use your chakra to do this magical attack, mm-hmm. and like by the end they are literally encased in giant forms of chakra fighting each other and it's just not as cool as like guys doing really intricate you know moves to like try and kick each other in the head it's not yeah. not as like that, that's fun. where you gotta draw the line that is not as much fun to read and there is a lot of like posturing and talking about uh you know why are you doing this uh because of my friends and like you know if you don't believe in people then you have nothing like they just kind of there's a little bit of a broken record to it in the, in that sense but overall it still was like a fun time and uh and i can't believe they're doing a sequel series for boruto, boruto which well when, when i read the last hundred chapters i was reading the uh scanlations as well and they just referred to him as bolt in the last chapter who his son yeah his son they just referred to him as bolt huh yeah Maybe that they were translated before the official translations came out. But you would think that it would still say, like, Boruto. Maybe Boruto means bolt. Maybe it does. 
Well, we have lots of other stuff that we can talk about, Nick. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we should. Guess what, David? What? what? Uh, Baruto is Bolt in Japanese. Oh, how about that? I wonder what. Uh, I wonder what the word for news is. Oh no, I said the word. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Ah. Uh, Came in try, here, David. came in here doing like okay. The thing is that you think I'm sitting here, like spending a lot of time trying to be really clever when I just say the first stupid thing that comes in my head. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not clever. Yeah, I'm not trying to be. If I was, I would put more effort into it. Well, maybe you should, David, because we're trying to up the production value here. Uh, that... But until we do, Marvel is asking all of us to choose a side. Once more. Yeah. So it's funny because right now their ad campaign for their movie is Choose a Side. And their ad campaign for their comics right now is Choose a Side. So Civil War 2 is a thing that's happening. And uh, according to the event's official description, the Marvel Universe is at a crossroads. A new power has emerged, one that can predict the future for good or ill. And the heroes of the Marvel Universe are faced with a choice. Wield the power of predictive justice to change the future as they see fit or reject and allow tomorrow to unfold unaltered. What side, then, will Thor choose? According to the teaser. Protect, and, uh... protect the future, change the future. Choose your side. Which, all right, David. Civil War Two. If you had the opportunity to predict future events with a high level of accuracy, would you choose to let them play out, or would you try to take however whatever measures necessary to prevent them from happening? I would let them play out because, let's say, you know, let's talk like butterfly effect sort of thing, where it's like, all right, we're going to prevent. This guy from doing this thing. Like, I, I, all right, we're going to prevent Lex Luthor from stealing 40 cakes. <laughs> all right, so we stop him from stealing those 40 cakes. Uh, but what if it turns out those 40 cakes were poisoned? Or it turns out there's somebody who's waiting, and then they're going to steal those 40 cakes plus another 40 cakes, and they steal 40 cakes. What if... A couple years down the line, there's a guy who was going to be like in really great shape and an Olympic athlete and win the gold and have everybody believe again for his country. But that didn't happen because on that day, he ate the cake that we stopped Lex Luthor from stealing and then became fat and <gasps> never won that gold. There's so many variables in changing the future that we don't know. And true, there's a lot of variables and then things play out that we don't know as well. But... I could be triggering a much worse event by changing things. and So you're saying, be reactionary. It's, I mean, it's... No. In, okay, if it's like, be... Well, it's an extreme form of reactionary. Right. For example, like, like, let's say that this obviously isn't like psychic precognition, but let's say that we gather some evidence saying that these, some guys are going to go blow something up now. Like, are we just going to let them go bl blow it up? And they'd be like, well, you blew it up. Now we're going to arrest you. Are we going to arrest them with intent to blow up? So, it could so, be... so can you charge somebody for a crime that has minority report? 
Right, um, exactly. It's basically Civil War Minority Report. But at the same time, like, you know, let's say that instead of, say, hacking people's computers and collecting right. evidence the old-fashioned way, you simply have a source that allows you to know that a certain event is happening. Uh, now, now, as long as you you could let it play out to a, an extent in which, like, they, you know, have gathered, like, the people have already gathered enough evidence to implicate themselves in some kind of potential disaster so that you could then arrest them on, what, suspicions, uh, not suspicions. Conspiracy conspiracy to commit some kind of act right um so you could do it that way you know like it's a, a, a no no, no. And, and, I, and i and i agree with that ideal to a very certain extent but then again you know going back to we don't know what preventing that's going to change and what what course of actions that's going to set off like that'll totally change everything yeah, I mean, and I and I totally get what you're saying, and I think it's tough because we obviously come from like it's an impossible our, question. Our own, it is an impossible question, and obviously it's going to be kind of probably fun to see how these characters bounce off the well, also, uh, the the, um, the thing. No, 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 now, 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 what they're relying on him to say, oh yeah, I always prevent stuff with 100 percent accuracy. Is anybody going to get inside of his mind and verify the stuff he's saying? Or could he be like, oh, I'm having a headache, and, ah, oh, what's that? Tony Stark blowing up the world? Ah, oh, you guys should arrest Tony Stark. Yeah, I mean, I imagine they'll have to do some kind of their validation for his abilities. I mean, it, probably it, an it, inhuman, too. It'll probably be him saying, like, this is going to happen, and they'll all ignore him, and then it will happen. And that's how they know. Um, but I do think, what am I trying to say? Yeah, it, it it is an interesting question and it's, it's weird because with Civil War, the first Civil War, it was much more of a, um, it was, it really was more grounded. It was like, yeah, okay. It, like a bomb went off and it sort of let, let a sort of series of quote unquote realistic, um, legislative decisions to, um, um, uh, register these superhero critters. Uh, with this one, it's much more like high concept, like dealing with mm -hmm. sort of a situation that we can't necessarily experience in the real world. You know what I mean? So it's obviously not going to come down to reg who's registering who, but they're, you know, the, basically in the first Civil War, you like you had your the government got my comics or my superheroes, and this one like. It's Iron Man versus Captain Marvel, um, and I believe the idea is that Iron Man's the reactionary one and Captain Marvel's the proactive one. Mm -hmm. um, but it's sort of like, under what level of oversight or authority are they dealing with? Like, just because Captain Marvel's the head of Alpha Flight in space doesn't mean that she's the one that actually gets to make the big decisions regarding this. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, what kind of club does Iron Man have? And if the government says, hey, we're going to use this in uh oh Nick uh, we couldn't hear you there for a second can you hear me yes I don't know what happened I can hear myself too that must have just been a weird connection it'll go away in a sec okay um yeah I don't know obviously it remains to be seen but you could we would waste a lot of time digging into this question yeah 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 and yeah I mean it's interesting to think about now, you also have a theory, though, on uh, something that that's going to happen in this story. Yeah. War Machine gonna die hardcore. 
Not my war machine. Or Warhammers. He's apparently going to be going in the movies. Called in the movies. Wait, really? I, I don't know if it was confirmed or not. Like, one report said Warhammer, and I guess CBR, like, doesn't seem to let it go. But everyone else still calls him War Machine. He's already called War Machine in the movies. I know. Well, he was War Machine, then he became... Last time we saw him, he was Iron Patriot. Well, then he was War Machine in Avengers 2, but they never called him by name. Um... I don't think they did anyway, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but obviously there's this, the, the scenes in the trailer where, Warmish, where Tony Stark is cradling um, a potentially unconscious, potentially dead uh, James Rose. Uh, and suddenly Marvel's use of James Rose has become somewhat more elevated. Like he's appearing in the current Invincible Iron Man arc. He appeared briefly in Captain Marvel. He's actually dating captain marvel um but it's all of a sudden like his presence has just jumped up like just in time for him to appear in civil war 2 and another interesting thing uh is i also read uh, the latest invincible iron man issue today and there's a, a black female uh college student from mit who was hinted at in the first issue of the book is like releasing the Iron Man blueprints or whatever online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you find you, it's revealed that she's trying to build an Iron Man suit that looks kind of like a war machine suit in her, in her uh, dorm room. So not to say that they're going to ax Rhodey for a younger female model, but it's kind of the vibe I'm getting based on that scene. Hmm. Um, not to say that there can't be more than one black character. I would have no problem with there being more than one black character assuming well, this, an Iron Man type role. This but, isn't the Walking Dead, all right? <laughs> but uh, I don't necessarily know if Marvel's going to go that way. Now, Marvel's done a lot of great stuff for diversity recently, but I just feel like something is definitely going to happen to War Machine in Civil War II. The reason I think he's going to die is because he would create an emotional crux in the sense that he's both Tony Stark's best friend and Captain Marvel's lover. <gasps> so if he dies, it gives them both an emotional stake in the ideolo- ideological divide. And that's the only thing that really makes sense at this point. It's, and it's definitely... Apparently Peter Parker was going to be the one that died. Like and that like, was one of the early dis- like discussions was we could do it with Peter Parker. In the original but, Civil War or the Civil War the II? the Civil War II. Hmm. But then... And I don't know if it was a, a a bit of like someone running over from the Marvel Studios side and being like, "Oh, guys, we're probably going to kill off War Machine in this movie called Civil War," and be like, "Oh, that would totally work." Instead of having it be Iron Man versus Cap- um, Captain America, it'll be Iron Man versus Captain Marvel, and they'll have this emotional component that they can both They've, be divided over. Yeah, I feel like Marvel is now running down their list and like, who haven't we killed? Well, Wolverine never died. Let's kill Wolverine. Uh, Namor is one of our oldest, and he's never died in all his years. Let's kill Namor. Like, all right, so War Machine, interestingly enough, James Rode, um, was actually turned into like a cyborg for a while. Like he got badly damaged, and he basically became cy- yeah, Marvel's cyborg. He basically became I guess. cyborg. Um, and uh, like you know, he was badly disfigured, had a lot of robot parts, and then something happened. I can't remember which storyline was it that uh, it may have been in one of his own series. Where like he was, trans- his mind was transported into a clone body. So the current James Road isn't even his original body. Say what? So that's just something to think about. Uh, comic books, man, I'm done. Love them. Walking away. Nick, what was that?
That was my pencil. Sorry. Well, also, uh, so lots of Marvel news this week, and we will continue on. Marvel wants you to vote Loki for president. That's right. Loki, the Asgardian god of lies. Which, I mean, he's a trickster god. He's not a god of lies. But I guess in Marvel, whatever. Uh, Villain turned anti-hero is running for president in the new series coming from Marvel Comics this June. Pretty much all we know. The press release said only this. Marvel Comics wants you to vote Loki this summer. All new series places a different candidate on the ballot this presidential election season. Vote Loki 2016. Believe. Believe. Because Believe. because the word lie is highlighted in all of the uh, promo material. So when you sent that to me originally, I thought it was just like a fun little thing they did for the election. Nope. Uh, It's a book. Yeah. This is a thing that is happening. So, I mean, if you're going to do some sort of commentary on politics, it's kind of... It's... Inspired might be too strong of a word, but it's certainly clever using Loki. um, The God of Lies? You don't think it's a little on the nose? It's on the nose, being on the nose doesn't necessarily mean that it's not clever. It's just on the nose. Um, it obviously depends on how the execution rolls out. Who's going to write? I thought when when Axel Alonso originally teased this that this was the Marvel's next Max book from their mature readers line. But oh. the fact that it shows Angela in there and Sam Wilson, Captain America, and the promo photo, I'm thinking it, it takes place in the um, regular Marvel universe. Now, now so, here's well, okay. Go ahead. Oh no, what are you going to say? Well, so many legal reasons of why Loki couldn't already run, because uh, he's not an American citizen. Um, could a superhero be president? Uh, superheroes have been president. Captain America was the president for a while in the in, Ultimate Universe. In Ultimate Universe. And look how that turned out. They're zombies. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're uh, goners. Um, uh well, first off, chances are if he's running for president, he's not running as Loki. He's probably on some kind of disguise. And if he even is running for president, this all could be a red herring for a, a political type thriller, maybe involving Loki, but not necessarily like he's actually running for president. Um, because of Captain Sam Wilson's Captain America involvement and just going with the political bent that Nick Spencer's um, uh, recent Marvel output has had. I'm getting a vibe that he's probably the creative writer behind it. Um, artist to be determined, I suppose. So it could be sort of his post um, uh, uh, Pleasant Hill uh, storyline. The only thing about that, though, is I know Loki's appearing in the Mighty Thor currently. So I'm not sure how that might potentially tie into this. Because he seems particularly tied up in Asgardian stuff right now. Yeah, how so. many times have we talked about in comics where that doesn't matter at all? It doesn't really matter. Because you have, uh, what is it, in Justice League, you have Bruce Wayne as Batman, and yet in every other Bat book, Bruce Wayne has no memory of being Batman, and Jim Gordon is Batman. For now. For now. Issue, uh, what is it, 51? Should be coming up pretty soon here. Issue 50 should probably come out first. Oh, yeah, then. 50. Right. I I don't know, man. There's so many numbers. 
They should just so keep restarting them from number one. Every issue. <laughs> every issue. Every is issue is a one. new number one. If Marvel had their way, they would all be number one every time. They would, and they would all have Bendis' name somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, even there. hidden. Um, in other Marvel news, uh, Marvel has cast their Iron Fist. Yeah, so this is big news that came out kind of after we recorded last week's show. Uh, it was unfortunate. But let us talk about uh, Marvel's Iron Fist. Nick, who do they cast? Finn Jones, uh, I think most popularly known for his role as Sir Loris Terrell uh, on the hit HBO show Game of Thrones. Now, uh, now I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying much, but I've heard things about that uh, Loris Terrell, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that uh, he visits the truck stop bathrooms. <laughs> My gosh, David. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, Loris Terrell on um, Game of Thrones is a um, character of gay persuasion. Yeah. Well, um, now, in whether the, if, or not if, that's if, one of the deciding factors no, in choosing it's, him. It's just funny because it's, 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 it's the one thing everybody brings up, and me including, apparently. And it's just, I always love that in the books, it's really subtle about their relationship. And, it, you know, if you're looking for it, it's totally there. In the show, they're like, and here they are, doing butt stuff. <laughs> that's, like, that's, uh, that's Game of Thrones for you. Everything is uh, right up front. All right, but let's right? let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this Finn Jones as... I mean, I, I like him on Game of Thrones. I mean, he doesn't necessarily... He hasn't necessarily done a lot. I mean, he's done a lot. Okay, now actually, he's been fairly committed to the same one or two people. Anyway, like, he hasn't, like... Like had amazing acting chops on Game of Thrones. He hasn't done bad, but he hasn't done anything that's been like, wow, like next level stuff. So clearly he's done something to impress Marvel, who's done a pretty good job at casting their characters so far mm-hmm. um, to, to impress them as being the right choice for Iron Fist. So it's really kind of, for me, a wait-and-see thing. He's, you know, looks like Iron Fist, so there's that little yeah. nugget. Yeah, so people people out there uh, in this little section that I like to call Dear Internet, uh, Dear Internet, Iron Fist is a white guy, alright? So them casting a white guy is not them whitewashing the role. That being said, uh, yes, it would have been cool for them to take a time to do some diversity casting. They didn't necessarily need to, and they didn't, and that's fine. That's fine. You know why? Because we have real problems in this world to deal with, and the casting of Daniel Rand is not one of them. Also, probably a lot of those people who were complaining about it being a white guy cast in this role would also be saying, oh, oh, so we cast an Asian guy? He knows Kung Fu. Of course he must be Asian. So it was a no-win scenario for Marvel, and they just went with it. They have not addressed the controversy at all, which I think is smart, because... We're all going to get over this. Actually, we already are all over it. I just decided to bring it up again right now. Well, no, you're right. And Iron Fist is one of those characters where, you know, like, for example, the Johnny Storm controversy. The, like, some people will argue that Johnny Storm being white is, like, integral to his character. I would disagree. I mean, I would say having Michael B. Jordan play Johnny Storm, like, personality-wise, like, he was able to capture that. Uh, Michael you know, B. Jordan was inspired as as, yeah. in, as the casting. 
as the casting, not necessarily the final product. Of, right. You know, it's not his fault per se. Um, you know, with, with Iron Fist, like you could have a white guy or an Asian guy or even a black guy or whatever, like whatever, like you could have any of them capture the personality of Danny Rand. Like that's not race uh, sensitive, so mm-hmm. to speak. But sort of one of the aspects of Danny Rand is that if he was just another quote unquote Asian guy, you know, coming, you know, the the the, the idea of is that he he literally is about cultural appropriation. He he was uh, coming from a white family right. trying to find this Asian like secret mystical Asian society. Oh, no, yeah, and he has to grow up in it. Right, and and also like him realizing, hey, I'm, you know, him more than anyone else. Like, grew up very white and privileged, and being like, oh man guess what? The rest of the world is not like me. And I got to use, you know, I can use that, the, the stuff that I, that I am naturally having uh, put upon me to use for other people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a really cool, very layered story. Uh, it, it certainly has a potential to be, and it'll be interesting to see how like Marvel kind of works with it. And I, I was reading one person's comment and they were saying that like, you know, he doesn't. He still doesn't have to be white. He could be Asian. You know, an American, an Asian American is still different yeah, from yeah. a uh, mystical, uh, traditional Asian temple no, type no, no, society. No, I, yeah, and I absolutely agree in that in that respect. You know, uh, could be Asian, it could be half Asian. Which, and again, like I totally agree with that. But it's, it, it's I, really, I don't a, wanna, it's really not a big deal. Whatever his race is, uh, and, as, yeah. As like that's what I was saying. Like personality wise, anyone, any ethnicity race whatever could capture his personality yeah but i think there's something about the fact that he is white and sort of uh is like it's like one thing if you did make him like a half asian or a full asian even if he was asian american and still got swept up in this culture you could do it sort of like as a asian rediscovering his roots was again like you're right it's a no-win situation because it'd be like oh it's an asian doing kung fu all right oh like so his roots are yeah Um, you know what i mean mm -hmm. now what is a what, what are you is, saying? What is the oh, what's the Batman movie we're always pitching? It's uh, the gay Jewish, gay the Jewish, black gay Jewish woman Batman. Yes. Black gay like, Jewish woman. And if they Batman. could write a story that that makes sense for that to be a Batman movie and it's good, I'm like all for it. That's awesome. You, you have you have won. You have won, the, right? The universe. You get you get the uh, one and only the uh, heck yazzy. The heck yazzies. The heck yazzies. Ooh, gotta file that away. Heck yazzies. Uh, you know, you know, you never know you when, never know that, when could that might be... crop up and become useful. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, sort of the 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 last word on on Finn Jones's Iron Fist is it's really a wait and see thing, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe if I watch, if he has any other, like, I I didn't even bother to look like what else he's been in. I maybe I'll find something that says like, oh yeah, good pick for Iron Fist. He basically just has to get in super good shape over the next few months. Right. Know how to like land a punch and throw a kick. Well, would... but he, here's also the thing: he's probably gonna have his traditional costume or uh, something akin to it, which means that his face is gonna be covered. Which means someone else will be doing the stunt work. Which is how it works for Daredevil as well. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox does a little bit of it. A, a little bit, but not most of it. Oh yeah, fair enough. Like the like the fight scenes, like the more intricate fight scenes, definitely not him. Uh, wow, he's really not done a lot. Looking at his history. I mean, he's cheap, and Marvel can save money. 
Yeah, he's he's like had a bunch of shows. He was on like two episodes during, and then he's been in three movies. Hmm. Yes. Oh, I I can also understand like now that you have you have Daredevil, you have Jessica Jones, you have Luke Cage, and then like Iron like basically Iron Fist. If you really want to super simplify it, is basically power up Daredevil. He will fight like Daredevil. He'll be you know Kung Fu Ninja whatever. Um, but he'll also be able to, like, charge his fist and punch through stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can see why I'd be like, all right, well, instead of just having two white guys that more or less do the same thing, you could have another thing. But again, no one's situation. If they head cast them as a half Asian or full Asian or even a black actor or whatever or the half Hispanic, half a Blasian. They could have Blasian. Blasian. I, at the end of the day, I, I, or, would have quote unquote gotten over it, like not like it would have been a big deal, right? No, but and, and everyone's everyone's already fine. Like life is cool. We have other things to deal with. It's always like weird. Like you have like a weekend to like get really super upset about something, and then like you make it halfway through a work week, and you're like, yeah, you're like, oh right, there's other stuff I have to deal with. Yeah. Well, at least for us adults. For, for us adults, yeah, and. The final note on, like, this diversity stuff, I get it. Like, as a, a white, straight male, like, I have plenty of choices to choose from. So I get why, like, when news outlets report on, like, such and such gets outed or, you know, new gay character or this person's black or now Captain America's black or whatever, this person's Asian, the Hulk's Asian. Like, for me, it obviously isn't going to have the same resonance as it would be for uh, someone who's black or Asian or gay or female. To be like, oh, here's a character like getting the same push as any old straight white male character. Mm-hmm. So I, I can respect that. Like this can be very passionate for people where like they don't get the same level of re- as representation as we do. Yeah. Not to equate this entirely to the Iron Fist thing. I think Iron Fist is a character that can fuel this debate. But at the end of the day, like I'm still cool with him sort of ending up the way that he did. I but... think I think there's also like a, a really good opportunity for them to surround him with. Uh, with Asian actors. Multicultural cast. Yeah, well, multicultural I know cast. that Misty Knight, who traditionally has been a romantic partner with Iron Fist, um, is going to be in Luke Cage. And there's also Colleen Wing, who was first introduced in Iron Fist. And she goes on to be a partner with Misty Knight for the Daughters of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're introducing Misty Knight in Luke Cage, I could see them introducing Colleen Wing on Iron Fist, who... I guess she's not Asian, but I feel like they could totally portray her as Asian. Some artists draw her kind of, uh, sounds really bad, Asian-y, quote-unquote. But, um, uh, I mean, she's definitely the kind of character that you could diversify his supporting. I mean, his supporting cast will be, if they do it right, all Asian. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, nothing against Thor for having, like, Hemdale be, you know, black. Because Idris Elba, I love him, and I would never have in a million years mess with him. But, like... I feel like Kun Lun, you, you can't sort of like skate by and say like, oh, it's a complete, it's primarily an Asian society, uh, a people of Asian uh, ethnicity, but then there's like those two black guys. Mm-hmm. Or even the, those two white guys. Like Iron Fist makes sense because he's a white guy that got thrown into their world. And I guess they could do something where like other people like Danny, who are of other ethnicities, oh, they're totally yeah. going to do that. No, no. What they got to do is they got to uh, they got to keep it really, really close to the source material. So you need to have Danny Rand fight a robot uh, underneath the streets of New York. Have him bust up really colorful kung fu gangs. 
that live in like Chinatown. Oh man, the seventies were weird. Uh, who's that guy? I I keep wanting to call him Shere Khan. Um, the other like Marvel uh, kung fu superhero. Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Have Shang Chi in the show, man. Have him be like Danny Rand's best friend or backup or something. That'd be cool. I'd uh, be down for Shang Chi. So uh, you talking about uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall? Who Idris Elba is also one of the stars of um, the upcoming Dark Tower movie that uh, I have not read those books. But I hear they're really, really awesome. And first book is really, really good, and I'm halfway through the second one that I started like five years ago. Hmm. So you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, playing, or he's blah 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 blah. blah. Oh, he's the protagonist. Of yeah, Roland. he's gonna be playing Roland Death That's Chain. cool. Uh, I wasn't sure because Matthew McConaughey, I think, is the other guy. Man in black. Yeah, man in black. Whatever. Uh, anyway, so there's a Penny Arcade comic about when they announced. Uh, Black Heimdall. So some people are really mad about a black dude being cast as a Norse god in Thor. And by some people, I mean racists. So, you know, uh, weren't the Norse gods white, though? I mean, even a racist clock is right twice a day. Yeah, but Thor is like the ultimate Aryan superhero. Let's take a look at this chart. And it's things the movie Thor is about. And it's a pie chart. And it's like 99% white power, 1% black Heimdall. And I don't know. I think I still think they're looking pretty good. Uh, so that's a good time. Uh, in casting news, before we move on, did you see who got cast in the uh, American Gods series? Um, Ian McShane, Ian right? Ian McShane is Mr. Wednesday. Mr. Wednesday. That's so awesome. That's not even like the like an actor I was thinking about for that role, and it's so good. I always imagine him in my head as like a tall, skinny white guy, but no. I'm also cool with Ian McShane. I, I always, well, I mean, I imagine, and I, we don't know how they're going to do the, like, the makeup and stuff yet, but I always imagine him like full, I think they describe him like full white head of hair, like big white beard, like just really big and strong, and I think Ian McShane can pull that off, even though he seems kind of short. How tall is Ian McShane? Oh, these are things I'm going to Google on the show. Ian McShane, height. Man, I love Google. Uh, 5'9". So yeah, he's a little, you know, not that tall. But Bit of a pipsqueak. Still think he's going to be awesome. Uh, also, news. We're going to move away from Marvel. We're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, this one will just go quick. Uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, they have accidentally slipped what her, what her secret identity does for a living so her secret aunt identity diana prince we all know and love uh apparently the immortal amazon amazonian princess diana keeps her eyes and ears open for intrigue as the beautiful and mysterious antiquities dealer diana prince we were kind of talking about this before the show uh i still think that doing a tomb raider-esque wonder woman character would be amazing because you can be like antiquities dealer like she just sits around all day looking at old stuff uh yeah that's also what archaeologists really do in the real world and yet we have indiana jones um, but you also kind of mentioned that she's been around for however many hundreds of years five thousand years five, did he say five thousand are you sure x x number of thousands 
I don't I don't think it was five thousand. Well, she's kind of dates back to like ancient Greece. Kind of needs to be like five thousand years old. Anywho, um, she yeah, like you're saying, like she just probably has a bunch of stuff lying around, which totally makes sense and is also kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, people being like, obviously she's Wonder Woman. She doesn't wear like a mask. Yeah, that's totally true. Probably not everybody at this point knows who Wonder Woman is yet, and we don't know what she does, like, in her everyday time. She could need to, like, pretend to be a normal human to find out some stuff before she goes and busts some skulls. Yeah, Wonder Woman can't show up and solve every single problem. I also get the vibe that because her solo movie is going to take place during World War One, that part something of it. probably happens by the end of it that kind of gets her to sort of leave the public view for X number of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's also a theory that the Wonder Woman, or rumor that the Wonder Woman movie will take place over, like, several decades, and World War One's just part of it. Well, there's that. I feel like... Okay, you were right about 5,000 years old. God, nobody likes it when you're right. Me? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just feel like... I'm wondering what role Steve Trevor is going to play. If, like, if they're going to jump through the decades are we just gonna see chris pine get in progressively older makeup it could be a really tragic love story what it could be a really tragic love story it could be uh i just i guess obviously we know where wonder woman ends up present day so i'm just gonna be very curious sort of how this world war one setting and whatever comes after that kind of brings her to that point yeah it'll be very yeah very interesting indeed but uh, in other news, um, this kind of came, just came over the wire. Yeah, Ryan Singer of one of the world's worst movies. Oh my god! Excellent Days of Future suck. Also, um, many great uh, one X Men movies and and one bad Superman movie. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's not like he's he's made every single great. I also think he did like Jack and the Beanstalk, and come on, come on, no. No. Um, and uh, anyway, were all those allegations? He's, anyway. He's helping continue. develop an R-rated Red Sonja TV series. Red Sonja being the bikini-clad warrior um, that takes place in the Conan the Barbarian universe. Mm. Uh, also has had a various long-running comic series, mostly through Dynamite in modern history, but also had series from Marvel's back in the day, from, from Marvel back in the day. So yeah, Red Sonia has always kind of been like the female Conan. I, f- I think a lot of people viewed her that way. Or Conan's the male Red Sonia. Sure, yeah. That also works. I mean, yeah. hey, in the uh, in the Red Sonia movie from 1985 that I just learned existed, had Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan in it. Well, I think that was him following up from his Conan the Barbarian movie. Conan the Destroyer. Who was it? There was... Conan the Barbarian. So, Conan the Barbarian was 1982. Conan the Destroyer was 1984. And then Red Sonja was 1985. There was supposed to be a Red Sonja movie that was supposed to come out in the last decade. And it was going to have... Oh, she was from that show Charmed. It, Robert Rodriguez was supposed to like either produce it or direct it. Um, and there was see. a really cool Actress poster. Actress Rose made. McGowan was originally intended to portray Red Sonja in 2010's Red Sonja film. 
that these been. plans were squelched, I've not seen the word squelched on Wikipedia before, uh, by injuries that permanently damaged the, mo the mobility and strength of her right arm. Wow. Uh, man, that... Stinks. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to follow it up. Anyway, yeah, Red Sonia is not a character that I'm super familiar with, but she obviously has had some staying power for the last, uh, oh man, 40? No, more than that, right? I can't math right now, I'm too tired. 43 years, about. Uh, the first appearing in a Conan the Barbarian comic, by the way. So, what came first, the Conan or the Sonia? The Conan. But this is very cool. Uh, didn't Gail Simone have a really good run on Red Sonia for a while? Who? Gail Simone. Uh, more re like in the last couple of years, she well, yeah. worked on Red Sonia. So, so she, so actually, Red Sonia. Looking at here, it was created by Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith for the comics. So she actually started in the comics. So this is definitely a comic-related story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's she not. She was loosely based off of Red Sonia with a Y, not a J. Huh. Uh, Red Sonia of, or Sonia of Rogatino and Robert E. Howard's 1934 short story, The Shadow of the Vulture. So in reality, she has been around since the 1930s. Yeah, I think, how long has the story of Conan been around, though? Conan the Barbarian? Probably around the same time period. Um, let's find out. It's a fictional sword and sorcery hero. So, December 1932, yeah. Right at that same time. Mm -hmm. Very, mm -hmm. very interesting. Uh, yeah, but this, uh, this news is currently developing an R-rated TV series. Uh, that could run somewhere like HBO, Showtime, or Netflix slash Amazon. I don't know why I said slash. Of course, Luke Lieberman is involved, seeing as he owns the property, and will be executive producing along with Jason Taylor via Sing's production company, Bad Hat Harry. Uh, he'll be, Singer will be directing and producing alongside Stephen Lecheru. Uh That was the worst pronunciation, but actually probably not too far off. Uh, and his... Solipist films. The money is coming from TWC slash Dimension. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of news or other stuff right here. Uh, the character made her comic debut in Conan Barbarian in number 23 back in 1975. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is cool. I will probably watch it. Oh, I'm sure I will too. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the uh, the Jason Momoa, and now that like I'm super excited for Jason Momoa as Aquaman, oh, I'm like, part of me kind of want to watch, kind of wants to watch the uh, Jason Momoa Conan the Barbarian movie. That already came out, right? Yeah, back in 2011. Yeah, it, it sucked, right? Uh, I don't. I think it got mixed reviews. I'm pretty sure that means it sucked. Yeah, the twenty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, man, I forgot that movie came out. We are we have been pretty forgiving with the. I guess actually he's had a pretty good career. He was on Stargate Atlantis. Who Momoa? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a pretty major character on there. I think. I'm not sure. Seventy eight episodes. So yeah, he was on there for a while. I mean, he was Game of Thrones guy. He was on <clears throat> Baywatch. The original Baywatch? Oh, yeah. For 44 episodes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Apparently, Rose McGowan played a character named Marique 
uh, in the 2011 Conan the Barbarian movie. Oh, interesting. I like Rose McGowan. She was also in that uh, that Robert Rodriguez movie, uh, Planet Terror. Oh, yeah, I never watched that one. Oh, what? It's so good. Apparently, they have a guy named Leo Howard, who I'm okay. just going to go on a limb here and say, say that he played a young Conan the Barbarian in the movie. Now, granted, this was back in 2011, so like five years ago. All right, we're, we're, uh, we're going down rabbit holes here. No, but it's just funny because you look at someone like Jason Momoa, who's, you know, Pacific Islander type, um, like, probably very hard to find a young actor that remotely looks like him. I mean, and Leo Howard is basically your typical white guy. It's just very funny. Mm-hmm. Also, Rob Perlman was in it. Oh, I love and Rob Stephen Perlman. Lang. Oh, Stephen Lang, the guy who's trying to be Cable right now. And Saeed Tagmahui, Hasht- who is in Wonder Woman. Hashtag Cable So Lang. Cable So Hashtag Lang. Oscar So J. Oscar Soje was my favorite comment of the night. And that big muscly guy from Mad Max Fury Road. Anyway, that's basically all the news we have for today. That is all the news, which uh, winds us down now as we uh, as we come to the recommendations. Like a frost giant's head on an infant's body. Nick, what do you have to recommend to the fine, fine people? I recommend that you recommend something first. You joik. Well, what what can I possibly recommend that they don't already know about? You're just gonna uh, recommend Naruto, aren't you? I'm not going to. That's After what, sixteen years, 15. I can now finally recommend this. After book. fifteen years, I'm free. Uh, no, I'm trying to remember because I bought something. So I mentioned uh, last week. Like, hey, I'm going to go pick up the first volume of Lumberjanes and read that. I always wanted to read that. And then I went to go do it, and apparently I waited like a day too late, and the sale was over, so they no longer had it. But they had this other book uh, that is from Boom called Giant Days. Uh, I'm going back here because I'm trying to remember who Giant Days is by. Now, I haven't finished the first volume. Um, but I, I'm probably about halfway, a little bit more through. It's actually uh, an interesting read. It is from John Allison as the writer, and Lisa Trayman is the artist. Uh, so what it's what it's about? I'm gonna read their official synopsis. Suman, Susan, Suman, yeah. <laughs> Susan, Esther, and Daisy started at university three weeks ago and became fast friends because their dorm rooms were next to each other. Now away from home for the first time, all three want to reinvent themselves, but in the face of hand-wringing boys, personal experimentation, influenza, mystery mold, new chauvinism, and the willful, unwanted intrusion of academia, they may be lucky just to make it to spring alive. So, uh, this is a book about three college-age girls... Uh, being in college and uh it's it's a, it's a fun read it's got very funny moments it's very entertaining uh it's it's one thing that i really love about indie comics is it gives people kind of the space to tell their stories or stories of people around them and not necessarily have to be like super crazy it's sort of like a slice of life uh comic and i don't read enough of like slice of life like stuff where it's just 
easy, simple to follow, no high concept craziness. Uh, it's it's not amazing, but it's definitely it's definitely good. So uh, Giant Days Volume One, you can pick it up on Comicsology if you're if you're hankering for something slice of life or a little more uh, subdued from all the the crazy stuff we're usually talking about then go check that out. I'm seeing if it's still on sale on uh, Comixology. It looks like it is not, but the first volume was uh, pretty cheap regardless. Now, Nick, what do you got? Your turn, bitch. <laughs> uh, I have nothing. I can't even force it out. I mean, I've been enjoying Naruto, so, like, if you want to get into a book for uh, 13-year-old boys, then totally check it out. I mean, you know, we're, we're being, like, harsh on the series, but come on, it's fun. No, I, oh, no Naruto it'll, is good stuff. It'll bring out the nostalgia. It's 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 good. I, and I feel like I, I've definitely been trying to, like, kind of, I'm edging back into, like, certain anime properties, certain, like, or Japanese anime manga properties. Like, I'm still working through Cowboy Bebop again mm. and just like see a space cowboy you know it's like i've read a lot of comic books mm-hmm. and so it's sort of like i'm looking for some strange you know what i mean doctor so strange. my recommendation is that you all avoid being too comfortable in your comfort zones and strike out into the great unknown and discover new things explore new uh, frontiers okay i'm done with you now star trek <laughs> Meets Green Lantern. Uh, thank you so much for giving the show a listen. If you have something you want to recommend to Nick or... Uh, or yeah, any, people recommend to me. Or any thoughts on stuff that we've uh, that we recommended or any thoughts on the news stories, please shoot us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find out more about the show by heading over to heckyeahcomics.com or following us on Twitter, heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Davilas, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can, uh, find Nick, uh, hanging out as the creepy guy in a Borders near the manga section, trying to strike up conversations with all the teenagers, because he's nice. still cool. Uh, and of course, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies before Modoc finds you. Until next time, good bye. Ever.